Welcome to the We Talk Careers podcast brought to you by Women in ETFs. This is Christine Delano, and I'm thrilled you've joined me. Twice a month, we'll meet an amazing executive who'll share a story about her career and give us some great insight into her success. So if you are pursuing excellence in your own career or intrigued by the hustle required for a career on Wall Street, this podcast is for you. If you haven't yet, please take a moment to subscribe. Survival is essential. Success is great. But what does it mean to thrive? We've compiled the most popular and compelling advice from our guests and created a Thrive Guide with a workbook on leadership skills such as clarifying your vision and growing your influence. You can grab it at christinedelano.com. To find out more about our show and our guests, I invite you to follow me on Instagram. All these links will be in the show notes. So put aside that massive to-do list and let's get inspired. In this episode, we are talking to Shanna Weber about the art of negotiation. How do you negotiate in a way that builds lasting and productive relationships? Shanna Weber is the Managing Director of Corporate Strategy at Charles Schwab, leading a team focused on identifying near-term growth opportunities while also supporting long-term strategic planning across the enterprise. Shanna earned her MBA from the University of Arizona and dual BS degrees in finance and management from Arizona State University. She completed her SIFMA designation at Wharton and the Fostering Diversity and Inclusion Program at Yale School of Management. In her free time, Shanna enjoys spending time traveling and going on outdoor adventures with her family, including skiing, surfing, tennis, and watching her son play baseball. We'll have to get them up to Maine to enjoy some skiing next winter, although I know that where she is at um, has some of the best skiing. But I am pleased to welcome Shanna Weber to the We Talk Careers podcast. Welcome, Shanna. Hi, Christine. Thanks for having me. Oh, so happy to have you. Um, And I'm really looking forward to talking about the art of negotiation. I mean, we all have to do it in our personal lives, in our careers. How we negotiate and who wins can, I think, make a lasting impact on our career and our lives. So maybe share a story about when you understood the power of great negotiating. Absolutely. Uh, It's actually a story from many, many years ago when I was a senior in high school. Uh, Before Mm. then, I think I handled every negotiation like all teenage girls do, uh, which either ended up uh, me screaming at my mom that she's not fair and her telling me to go to my room or (laughs) my mom um, saying something and me screaming, I don't like you and running to my room. So I, I had this situation where I wanted to end up the conversation with me not in my room. So I I had to take a different approach. And when I was a senior in high school, our student government group uh, planned an annual camping trip. And this annual camping trip was not chaperoned. Mm. And so as the student body president, an 18-year-old, a very responsible person, uh, I thought it was my duty to go to this this retreat. Um, And so I had to make my mom see it that way. And when I was going to go ask my mom, I knew it would be a hard no. So I prepared in a different way. And the first was I I met her on a neutral ground. I went to her school where she taught because, first of all, I couldn't end up in my room at the end of that conversation. Um, And second, we both have to remain calm. Um, We were in a place where there were other people around. And uh, I think it was very, my thought process was, let's make sure that both of us have to stay calm and, and talk through this. So 
uh, instead of coming in hot-headed, um, determined and demanding to go with my argument, she's ruining my life and all that, I'm pretty sure she was prepared for that approach. I walked in and did a professional negotiation. I started with, the goal of this discussion today, Mom, is I would like to come to an agreement of terms where you're comfortable with me attending the camping trip. And it, that just set the tone because she stared at me like I had two heads. <laughs> and so um, I asked her to share her concerns with me. And then I asked her for evidence and facts of those concerns. Um, I laid out things like, well, I understand that, but I've never missed a curfew. I, you know, I've showed I'm responsible. Um, I haven't lied in the past, so I you know, don't think that would start now. Um, I've always been a designated driver. I gave her a lot of evidence of the behaviors that she was concerned about um, on the other side, the, the positive side of it. And then I stated my side. I, I identified where I agreed with her. I know that she was trying to protect me, that it was a risky adventure, that it could go wrong. And, and I showed her that I understood her concerns um, and I understood her views. And then I said, here's what I will do to protect against those risks. And I said things like, I'll be responsible for the fire myself. Uh, I'll have a code of conduct document that everybody has to sign. And I'll personally call each of the parents to ensure they're approving their child to go. Um, I had a whole list of ideas. And where I, identify, I identified where my ideas addressed her concerns and highlighted why she could trust me. And then I simply left with, I'll leave you to consider my proposal. And as I've outlined, I believe we can come to an agreement. I look forward to your response over dinner tonight. And I left. And uh, my mom didn't even say anything. She was so shocked. She couldn't even respond. <laughs> she just stood there staring at me. Um, and I found out later that her um, co-teacher that worked with her walked into the room um, afterwards and said, I just heard that whole discussion. And while I totally agree that she should not go on this trip, I don't really know how on earth you can argue with that. <laughs> so um, my mom, she did let me go because she thought I approached it as an adult and I was showing that I could you know, handle the responsibility on the other side. But my, my real lesson from it was take an approach that really helps people understand you're all on the same side ultimately and you want the same thing. And so it just changed the way I negotiated from there on out. Oh, that's such a fabulous story. I absolutely love it. That's oh. So tell me about the camping trip. Did it go as planned? I mean, did you did you follow up on all of the things you negotiated? It did. I did all the things. Um, <laughs> I do have to say I told everyone there would be no drinking and I'm pretty sure there was, but I didn't see it. So, you know, I, I did the best I could, but uh, everybody was safe and we, we all had a good time and everybody was responsible. So it was good. That's fantastic. I mean, what can you expect at, at 18 to be able to control that kind of things? Yeah. <laughs> I didn't see oh, it. Oh, that's so right. Right. Well, I mean, that's such a good, you know, sort of picture of what is a negotiation, but help us define it. So what is the art of negotiation to you? How, how would you actually define that? You know, it's funny, as I, as I think about the word negotiation, I really think that it like invokes fear and nerves in people. It feels like this official uh, win-lose, taking sides. And when people think about, I need to negotiate, they think about, I need to prepare for battle. And so I was curious as to why that feeling arose in myself when I used that word as well as others. And so I looked up the definition and it says a negotiation is a strategic discussion that revolves or resolves an issue in a way that both parties find acceptable. In a negotiation, each party tries to persuade the other to agree with his or her point on point of view. And I honestly, I mean, humans by nature are competitive people, um, and especially humans in finance, um, we tend to be very competitive. So when I think about a negotiation, I really try to step out of that, did they win or am I going to win? And more, how do we win? 
And so I take an approach to negotiation is how do we get to the best result together? But I didn't realize there's sort of two sides to this coin. The first is at work, your negotiations, um, you're, you're there to solve problems, you're there to move on initiatives. And in theory, we all should be relatively aligned on the mission, right? Like the mission of the company, focus on our clients, focus on what's best for the business, focus on shareholders, whatever the, the joint mission is. Then it's really easy to, to have people focus on the right direction. Conversely, sometimes negotiation is all about you. It's about you going into a room and saying, this is what I want. And the person, the other person in the room may not really care if that's what you want or may not um, agree with that's the way to go. And I think that that gets a little bit more into the my case versus their case. But I definitely think some of the ways that I approach the everyday work negotiations um, has some, some tactics that you can also apply to the personal. But with the personal, I think the most important thing really is to define where your line is, what you're willing to give up, what you're really there for, and and making sure you stick to it. Whereas in work, let's just make sure we're doing the right direction for the business. So it's a little bit different depending on the topic. Yeah, I, I like that distinction. And I really actually love this topic and in sort of researching and, and getting prepared for this podcast. I actually thought back to when have I negotiated? I mean, and when have you haven't negotiated? You know, I think about, you know, obviously growing up and, you know, trying to get what you want and and, and learning sort of the slamming doors and, and all that not working for you and ended up that the uh, memory that came to my mind was the first time I bought a new car. And I remember I just had a baby. So my uh, daughter was like six weeks old, first baby. My husband and I go into a Saturn dealership. I don't know if you remember Saturn. But I, I, I wanted, yeah, okay. I wanted one. Um, but I also was okay with an Accord or a Camry. So I'd done my research. I had three pieces of paper that told me exactly what they were worth, what they were selling at, you know, what is a good deal? What were some of the options? And I just sort of laid all three of them in front of me. I had this little baby that needed to be nursed, you know, constantly sort of thing. So like I had that going for me and my husband sitting next to me. And of course they just want to talk to my husband. And each time I'm like, Hey, Hey, I'm buying the car. And by the way, I'm on maternity leave for a little while. So I got all day. Like I can just sit here. <laughs> I can hear in front of you. It's fine. It, it's fine with me. I've got all day. And this is what we're going to do. And you know what? And if it doesn't work out, these other two are just fine options as well. And I remember sort of just waiting out this process and watching, you know, how it worked with going back to the manager, coming back, other people joining, you know, trying to tell, you know, trying to butter me up with what a great job I was doing, you know, all these things happening. But in the end, I was very clear on like, there was a win for them. There was a win for me. You know, they were going to, you know, let the go the car at a profit for them, but still a good deal for me. Ends up that there was like $500 at the end that were like floor mats or something like that. And I'm like, finally, like ditch the floor mats, get me in the car. I'm ready to take my baby home. <laughs> and uh, I remember getting into the car, having bought it, signed it all away. And the floor mats are in the car. And I'm like, ah, oh, geez, you know, Chris has the baby, you know, in, in the other car. So I, you know, jump out, I go back in, I find the guy like at the door and he's like, what? And I'm like, the floor mats. He's like, just leave, just go, just go. <laughs> Warm so, down. That's part of the know, exactly. exactly. I just, and I remember just driving away like, wow. And I got my floor mats too. <laughs> um, so 
I guess my question to you is like, how do you prepare? Like, I don't feel like I went into it. I went into it with, you know, having done my research, but I think I could have probably, you know, done better having, you know, taken a course or something like that on negotiation. But how do you prepare for a negotiation? Yeah, I think each negotiation, regardless of whether it's a personal one or a a business decision, it's really important to like, first and foremost, know your audience. Who's going to be in the room? And what's the tone of the room and, and, and being able to think through what that means to the dynamic of the conversation. And so a lot of it is, how does your audience receive information? Are they people who like stories? Do they like to have examples? Do they like hard data? Do they like client feedback? And then be prepared with those to share your views and ideas. So if they are a heavy data intense group that you're presenting to or a person that you know is really into facts, have that prepared. So that you can show them the facts so that they can buy into what you're, um, what you're selling them. What do they get out of this deal? Come into the meeting knowing how are they going to benefit with what I'm bringing to the table and know what's their goal. What's their, what do they want to get out of this, but what can they also get out of it that they may not be aware of? And, and really a lot of this is, have you asked them? Have you done the meeting before the meeting before the meeting? Reach out mm. to your network and tap your, you know, your peers and your network about, the relationships that they have with these people in the room so that you can better understand how to relate to them. Um, I think a really big part of it is know what they'd be willing to give up on. So people, you know, tend to come to a negotiation as this is my view and then this is my view. And then we have to bat against each other to get what we want. But a lot of the times people come with a more cushioned view because they know they're going to have to give. And so know what those likely give ups are and hit those right out of the gate. Say, you know what, I know that this is important to you, but if we could move that to the side, I think we could get further along. If people are willing to give some stuff up, it's it's easier to get that out of the way first. Like know what your floor mats are. Right? Know what your floor mats are, right? Like if, if they're gonna, they don't need floor mats, where are they going to put the floor mats? They don't have another car they can put the floor mats in. All the cars come with floor mats. Right, so know what you can ask them to give up that is probably not going to be an uphill battle. So that's know your audience, know the personalities, the the importance to them. And then the second part that I cannot reinforce enough is prepare, prepare for the discussion, know all the people who are going to be in the room, who's on the invite list, who are your supporters in that room? Who are the people that when you talk directly to them, they're going to nod their head because they like you and they agree with you on things. Who are the people that you don't know? Um, Knowing, making sure that you have done your homework on who's in the audience. But being careful to, to know that you're going to not know people in the room and preparing for what that's going to feel like. Um, I'm a strength coach, uh, a Gallup strength coach. And so I tend to pull strengths of the members in the room so I can find out who's analytical, um, who's high in election um, and, and respond to that. So if they're high analytical, I use data. If they're high internal thinkers and you know they take a while to come to a decision, send the information in advance so they have time to read through it. If they're big talkers and big storytellers, is there a good metaphor or example that I can use to get them to see the picture? And so preparing for that discussion is really important. And I really think it's good to prepare with another person. Talk to somebody and have them play devil's advocate with you. Have them throw you hard questions. Have them argue with you and tell you that's a bad idea. 
and practice how you're going to respond in a safe space. Um, you can do that with a mentor or, or a peer. And I think that's a really great way to prepare for the discussion. Oh, that's fantastic. I didn't know you were a Gallup Strengths coach. That's fantastic. For the last few teams that I have led, um, Strength Finder has been my book. Like I love to like sort of lean into strengths mm-hmm. people have as opposed to always highlighting sort of deficiencies or weaknesses. I, I, I think that's fantastic. So congratulations on getting that designation. And it helps a lot if you can pull people's reports before you go into a room and they don't even know it. (laughs) It's Uh, it's like playing puppeteer a little bit. That's true. And I liked what you said early on, too, is sort of knowing the audience and knowing how they receive information. On episode 11, we had Diana Tidd talking about sort of career advocacy and you know, that idea of receiving information, knowing how other people receive you and knowing tone, knowing how people, are they straight shooters? Do, you know, do they like the story? Do they, you know, have certain values or certain things they want to get out of it? How they receive information, I think is so important to how you want to convey the information that they, that they need to hear. Exactly. So take us through the actual negotiation. What goes on during the discussion? Like, how how do you really prepare for that? Starting with, make sure you're all in the room to have the same discussion. (laughs) Um, Sometimes Mm. you come into a room and you're like, okay, I'm going to talk about and negotiate on this topic of how we're going to drive this project forward. And everybody else came in the room to think we're going to brainstorm on what the project is. Um, So starting with clearly defining what the topic is, Um, what the goal of the meeting is before getting into any details. Make sure that everybody around the table is nodding in agreement that this meeting is to discuss something or it's to come to a conclusion or it's to build the proposal or it's to agree upon next steps. Whatever it is that you're there to discuss, let's make sure everybody agrees on that. And then if it doesn't, that might be your whole conversation is what are the right steps we need to take to move forward on this. But you'll get really derailed if you come in thinking you're walking out with a step-by-step plan and other people are coming into the room thinking about they're going to totally brainstorm on what the project even is. So also determine if today's discussion only or if a decision is going to be made. So are we going to come to a conclusion today? Do we all agree that we want to walk out of here with a decision? Or are we just looking to brainstorm and get ideas on the board for us to think through and discuss later? Make sure that those are clear. I personally like something I learned a number of years ago, which is listen before speak. And I think with the listen before speak is if you agreed on what the topic is, ask what their view is and what they're thinking. Let them go, let them tell you their information because you can find out what they want, what they're willing to give up, what they're thinking and why they want something to happen and what their motivation is. Because ultimately you can then take this and turn it into part of your argument, starting with where you all agree, right? If they, if they lay out what they're interested in and what they want to get out of it and you agree with 20, 30, 40% of it, start there. See, have the alignment already be the momentum of the conversation and what's already aligned, agree that you agree and put it on the side table and say, you know what, we don't need to hash that out because we already think we're going to do that. We we think that's a great idea. Let's go forward with that and start with the agreement. It starts a, a much more positive conversation versus the combative I want this and you want something else. I love what you said about offer to listen first, too. I, my daughter is graduating from college in like a week. Um, exciting. And yeah, so exciting. And she's um, where she's doing an internship right now. They'd like to keep her on through the summer and, you know, maybe into she's starting graduate school in the fall. And um, and so they asked her, you know, 
you know, what are you looking for for an hourly wage? And so she immediately texts me and she's like, what what do I say? You know, Nashville has this sort of, um, you know, minimum wage. You know, I've been making this. I would love to make a little bit more. And I said, first, ask them what the range is. (laughs) And so they asked the range and the range is like double (laughs) what she was going to ask for. (laughs) And so then she's like, great. You know, and I said, no, you know, so now put your range just a couple bucks above that. (laughs) And, you know, and, and so ends up, you know, she just did a great job. You know, she showed with like raising the range a little bit. She gave some really great reasons why she was worth that and the kind of work that she was going to be doing over the summer. And, you know, they're happy and she is just pleased. And I just think those kind of opportunities where, you know, the stakes are big for her. She would like to make the money, but they're still sort of small now. It's so good to get the practice. So I think that one thing of like listening first and knowing, you know, like, are you in the same pool? You know, like, are, are they actually offering things up front that you should know about before you even get started? It's really interesting. The human nature, while, while I think it is competitive, it's also to to look like you're adding value. And so I think people will tend to throw things out there if they're caught off guard. And so while you might've said, if you said, I want to come in and I want to do ABC and I know you guys want to do X, Y, Z, and we need to figure out how to come together instead coming in and saying, what do you guys want to do? And they might start with X, Y, Z. And I, I mean, some A and maybe some B and we could totally just see if you guys want. <laughs> and I think that um, you can get them to give the formats a little bit sooner if you just don't come in with telling them what you what you want first. Oh, I love that. I love that. And the, and the other piece that you said that I want to pause on as well is like, find out where we're already aligned. I feel like people make this mistake all the time. Like they already have agreement and then they're they're wanting to rehash it. It's like mm-hmm. you, you, you already have it. So like, go ahead. You know, the other flip side of it is you want to make sure that you've described it enough that you are actually using the same language to describe the same thing. So, you know, there is a good definitional part of assuring that you have alignment, but what you have alignment, like write it down and, and move on. Move like on. don't renegotiate a point that you've already won, right? <laughs> you might lose things you've already won. Right. The more you talking, you might be giving stuff exactly. up you didn't even need to. Yeah. Exactly. So what if we don't have alignment? You know, what if we, you know, what if we're still on sort of two sides of this issue? You know, I think Again, back to that competitive nature. If we identify that there's places that we lack agreement, I recommend laying out all the options, what I would say, equally. So instead of this is John's idea or this is Susan's thoughts or this is what we think, just say, here's one idea, here's another idea, here's another idea. And and taking away that ownership so that if one of the ideas gets shut down, it's less personal. It's more, yeah, that idea is better than that idea versus John is better than Susan. So I think it's important to to lay out the ideas and options as equal opportunity options. I think once you do that, you can also find out what you like about each idea. So let's say you're running the negotiation, you're kind of leading the meeting and you've got the whiteboard or the uh, piece of paper or the, you know, whatever we've got in virtual now, the uh, Word doc on the shared screen, going through each and saying positive things about each idea. My mom always says you can always find something positive about everything. And so try to say, you can even say stuff like, what I really like about this idea is it allows us to also do da-da-da-da-da. And so thinking about ways you can start tying together and using the more and versus or approach. Um, and, and even if it's something as silly as, what I like about this idea is that all of us laughed when it came out because it was so far-fetched and so out there that it really got us to laugh at ourselves. And I think 
maybe we should start thinking about what this really feels like and you know and it's fun let's think about this as more fun you can you can even lighten the mood um, with some of some people's ideas if you think about what's positive about them a book i read said do and instead of or a lot through the book how can we do and because i do think ultimately people do want to win um they want to win some chips on their table and so wherever you can easily say we can do a and b we can do z and x uh, I think that it it allows people to have more buy-in and to feel like they are part of the solution. And I think iterating, saying, if we did all of these, what does that look like? Well, it's going to be really hard to execute on this one piece. What if we took that out? What does that then look like? So that you can get people to think about it holistically versus the individual pieces that they may have come to the table with. Last suggestion, be open-minded. Most of the time we come into a negotiation that our idea is the best idea. Uh, and sometimes other people have better ideas and be okay with that and be to be able to say, you know what, I like that idea better than, than the one I had. I, I think we should go that direction. Um, and don't be afraid to highlight concerns with your own ideas. Throw your idea under the bus if you need to get um, a little, people more on board uh, and say, you know what, the problem with my idea is this and I don't know how to solve that. But if we went this route, what do you guys think? And, and the getting people to, again, look at it as more individual pieces and not me versus you uh, really will help with getting the alignment in the room. I love it. What a great list, Shanna, of just steps to go through in the actual negotiation. For those listeners that aren't jotting all of these down, um, we have put together a Thrive Guide for this season, and we will have all of these ideas listed out. And I will work with Shanna to make sure that we get the wording just right um, to really help you with your negotiations. I am just excited about how you break this down and how people can go in in a much more collaborative spirit. Because I think sometimes the idea of winning the battle can contribute to losing the war in your career. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we want to negotiate, we want to negotiate well, we want to negotiate well with people so that we can be, you know, invited back to the table to do the next negotiation, right? So I, I think doing this well is so important. You know, you talked about it in the beginning. There's different dichotomies as we look at negotiations, those that are in our personal life and the ways that we do it, the ways that we come together in our career. Doing this well will enable us to continue to be part of the teams that help drive our organizations, right? Yes. And you know, you can't get your ideas on the table if you're not invited to the room. So it's really right. important that when you're in the room, you work well with the others there. And, you know, sometimes people are just stubborn. It happens. Sometimes I always joke, you have to have uh, rational people in order to have a rational discussion. And sometimes people aren't rational because they're too emotionally committed to something. But sometimes you just have to take that and say, I'm going to fall on the sword for this one because I'm not going to move them no matter what I do. And it's not worth burning the bridge. Uh, other times you take a break and step and say, you know what, we're not coming to an agreement. Why don't we all take, you know, a couple of days and think it over. I'll send over the facts that you can evaluate and we'll come back and discuss. Sometimes people just get defensive in the moment. I think it's really important to always be looked at as a person who is good at negotiating because they work together versus good at negotiating because they shove it down your throat because people don't want to mm. work with that person. So how do you get invited back to the table? It's how you can ultimately really drive the business and have impact. Yeah. So I think that can be a really hard lesson for folks to, to learn, especially early on in your career where, you know, you do have this idea of task. You have this idea of, of excellence and, and getting what your business line needs or what your company needs, but realizing in the end, it's really about being able to work with people. Any other sort of hard lessons or, or other sort 
sort of lessons learned that you can pass on to our listeners? You know, I think don't die on the battlefield for something that's not important. Um, that's probably <laughs> a big one. But again, you said as young people, we do think we have to prove our case. Um, as we get older, we're like, yeah, so the business doesn't execute on that this week. It'll be fine. We'll do it. Now. We'll do it in the future. Um, so just really evaluating what's important. Something else that I wish I would have done better at the beginning of my career is just listening more and listening first. Um, I definitely have to say I've probably given up some of my poker chips uh, by not listening and not allowing somebody else to go first and just sort of continuing to talk because I was nervous and just keep going and just keep offering and just hope that they agree with me at some point and then realizing I didn't need to go that far. So I think if we can all practice listening more, I think it'll help all our careers and really actually help us be more successful. Great advice. Fantastic. So in speaking of advice, so you have a nine-year-old son. Yeah. What are you teaching him about effective negotiation? And, and is it going to backfire? <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I thoroughly expect to have a conversation with my 18-year-old son about going on a camping trip on Chaperone at some point, for sure. Um, <laughs> right. But uh, nine-year-olds are emotionally reckless arguers, right? And so I think sometimes so are executives. So uh, putting those two in the same bucket, I'm trying to help my son build habits that will help him later on. Um, he's just so passionate about what he wants. He, of course, he's never wrong. And life is so incredibly unfair. And so I'm trying to help my son separate emotion from getting what he wants. And I think this is a lesson many of us have um, failed in our lives and, and gone back and thought, wish we could have done it better. So I think it's important for him to negotiate, discuss what he wants, um, but without bursting into tears. And at nine, that's uh, quite quite a difficult challenge. Uh, but as the asks he has right now are really small. So building that behavior um, for small consequences, right? Having him build some rationale behind why he should have a sleepover or why he wants a new pair of shoes that when he already has shoes. Because as he gets older, the asks will have more impact on him, but also more impact on others in our community. The, the actions that he's going to be taking will have more ripples as he gets older. And so making sure that he can make the right decisions in a rational state. And I, I, I always tell him, nobody at my work wins their way because they burst into tears and ran into the room. Uh, nobody uh, in the government is going to move an initiative forward because the best argument is, I know I'm right and you're so mean. So you need to come up with some stronger arguments if you want to win um, a discussion with your mother. And so I, I tell him, I need information. Uh, tell me how much it's going to cost, how much time it's going to be, um, why is it important, and reasons why it's important that are important to me. Um, and then sometimes, this is a lesson I think all of us adults should take from, just take a break. Sometimes you just need a moment to calm down. And don't be afraid to ask for that. And so he, he quite often will go, Mom, I'm going to take a moment. And he'll go into the office and he'll sit down for a couple minutes and separate himself from me. And then he'll come back and be like, okay, so here's what I think. Um, and frankly, I tell him to do it and it works for him. And I've needed to practice it more. There are times where I'm like, I'm just going to take a moment. I'll get back to you in a day. Um, think about those emails where you respond and you just are about to shoot off. And then you're like, ooh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hold on to that one in my drafts for, <laughs> for an hour and see if I want to send it. Um, so really trying to get those practices to separate emotion from the negotiation. Oh, what, what a great skill to learn. I, I know that when I have two daughters in college right now, one of them, like I said, about to graduate. And when they come home, we have a 15-year-old son as well. 
And they're like, he can do that. You know, you let him do this. I'm like, he is so good at like laying out like this is how it's going to work. And he's done his chores before he asks. You know, he lays out rationally. If I start to say no, there's no, you know, he doesn't get emotionally invested in it. He just kind of helps me see how we can make it work. So, you know, they're like, you get, he gets away with everything. And I'm like, well, you know, I, I yes. He's a better he's, negotiator. <laughs> and, and, when, and when they ask him, they're like, you know, like, how do you do this? He's like, I've watched it. I watched you guys <laughs> crash and burn. <laughs> and I've learned what not to do. Exactly, exactly. Now now the girls are, you know, you know, have grown into their own, but it's it's hysterical. At 15, I, I don't think that they were where he's at right now. So and I'm hoping they're not listening. So <laughs> Uh, so this has been such a fun conversation. Um, you've given me so many great ideas for follow-up episodes as well. So thank you for that. One of them is sort of strength finding and leaning into our strengths, which, which I love. Thank you so much for taking us through this. Um, our loyal listeners will know that I always end on the same question, which is about a book you've read. I am a fiction writer myself. I love story. I love getting lost in it. I love nonfiction in how it can sort of challenge our minds and challenge our biases and challenge the way that we think about the world um, so that we can be sort of better people. So tell me, what is a book that you're reading now or a book that you've read that you would like to recommend to our listeners? I, I have to be honest, I am listening to a book. Um, <laughs> I find <it's, laughs> I read so much during the day um, that I that I just can't open a, another thing to read. And so I walk around my neighborhood and listen to books on tape. So um, I'm currently reading um, Sapiens, which is the brief history of humankind uh, by Yuval Noah uh, Havari. And it's an amazing book about how the human race evolved to be where we are today. And it just, so many of the topics blow your mind about the agreement that the human race has come to on certain things. For example, most of what we deal with every day and the rules that we follow don't actually exist. You know, it, it's all an agreement. We all agree that we're going to follow these. And, and it took you know, millions of years to develop these kinds of insights. And it talks about our ability to work in small groups and then larger groups and then larger groups. And some of those lessons are still things that we do today. It's, it's a fabulous book. It's, it's really deep. You kind of have to take a break once in a while so you can digest it all. But I really recommend it. I love the idea of of sort of understanding better our social contracts that that we've sort of unconsciously sort of grown up into. Um, so thank you for that recommendation. We will put that link in the show notes. And thank you, Shanna, for this great conversation. I cannot believe how fast the time flew by. Thank you so much for being a guest on We Talk Careers podcast. It was my pleasure. It was always good to catch up, Christine. Thank you so much. And thank you, our listeners, for spending your time with us. I hope this is not just information, but you let it be transformational in how you think about your career. I'm rooting for you. To find out more about diversity, opportunity, and events in the exchange-traded fund industry, please visit womeninetfs.com. And while it lasts, be sure to grab your Thrive Guide on becoming the leader you want to be. You can download it at, with a K, christinedelano.com. If you haven't subscribed to We Talk Careers podcast, please make sure you do so. And if there's a topic you'd like us to tackle, let us know. All links are in the show notes. Thank you for listening.